Hi, welcome to this Totem Talk on anxiety. Ooh. That seems very relevant at the moment. Did we pick that one by random? I think we did not pick that by random. I think we picked that on the basis of one, lots of people asking us about it, um, also facing it ourselves. Yes. <laughs> Anxiety is just there, always. Um, well, it's an ever-present thing. Well, I feel like for me, it's this constant up and down. Yeah, I'm having the same thing, you know. There you go. Actually, I, I do have waves of, we're going to be okay. No, we're not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's basically it. Yeah, yeah, that's basically it. Okay, good. Yeah, well, let's talk about anxiety, shall we? let's do that. Uh, Yeah, and I think it's interesting because whenever I use words like depression, anxiety, mental health, mental illness, I think the assumption might be that we're talking about big clinical you know you need to go see a psychotherapist you need to go see your gp you might need some medication actually for me when we're talking about mental health we're talking about everyday healthy habits unhealthy or unhelpful thinking Mm -hmm. and just making sure we're in a good place i guess just like our physical health right yeah i mean absolutely i think um we're not clinical psychologists so we're not really going to speak into that space our our regulator would come and have awesome words with us. Indeed. But there is something in there about actually it's everyday mental health. So if you if you go out on the pop and you wake up in the morning, you don't feel so good, you're probably not going to do it again. And it's that kind of, actually, there are some behaviours that I do maybe over a two or three day period that are causing me more issues. And if you continue down that path, then you will eventually need to see a doctor or a GP and right. start taking medication. So we're going to talk about the the low-level stuff that has the potential to blossom into a full-on neurosis or breakdown or mental event that you don't want going on Facebook. Absolutely. (laughs) Or any any place. People do seem to have a lot of breakdowns on Facebook, though. I've I've, I've, I've noticed that. There does seem to be a fair amount of broadcasting of I'm having a very bad time, yes. I'm not sure why people do that. There we go. Sharing mentality. Dirty washing Uh, (laughs) everywhere. Ed. So if we're looking at then the everyday things we can do for mental health, I think what's interesting is because we make the comparison to physical health and we talk about, okay, so you want to do things like get some exercise, get some fresh air, focus on your breathing. These are all really good things for your physical health. Well, they're exactly the same things for your mental health, Mm -hmm. which... Kind of, I don't know if that seems funny and backwards or actually it just makes sense. The mind and body are, are one connected thing. They're not like two separate. No, and, and they can influence each other. So, you know, you, if you if you are mentally lethargic, mm. I, can, I can guarantee that physically you're quite lethargic as well. Yeah. Um, and it goes backwards as well. You can, you can spook your brain into doing some very interesting things just by using your body and... Mm. Um, You've got some great examples, actually. And I have to admit, I know the first one you're going to suggest. When you first suggested this one, I thought, shut the front door. (laughs) There is no way that... uh, Anyway, I I shall let you speak. Is it the pen or the power pose? Power pose. Power pose. Okay, so if you have not seen Amy Cuddy's TED Talk, where have you been? Uh, The Amy Cuddy TED Talk was quite revolutionary, I think, in just showing us some of the social psychology research on how using our body can affect our minds. So basically what her research shows is that if you make yourself big, 
in the same way that the animal kingdom does. You know, if you're under threat, you make yourself big so that you're more threatening, more confident. Um, if we make ourselves big, these signals to the brain through testosterone and reduced cortisol, the stress hormone, are that we feel more confident. And because we feel more confident, we come across in a better way. Now, the suggestion is not that we should go into all of our meetings with, you know... Our hands on our hips. Yeah, or trying to pretend we're a giant lion. Um, The point is that maybe by spending a bit of time before going into the meeting, maybe in a quiet bathroom somewhere with our hands on our hips or maybe even standing like we've just won a marathon, uh, if we're doing those large poses with our body for just two minutes by increasing testosterone and reducing cortisol we can then walk out of that bathroom and go into our meeting feeling that bit more confident and it's not i got you know just for everyone listening it's not a bit more confident i i I heard i came across this a few years ago and to be honest with you i do struggle with um i would say low level anxiety and confidence in meetings and we went somewhere together and i did just that i went to the bathroom and i I did my little marathon run up and down the stalls. Thankfully, there was nobody else in there. <laughs> wow, I wouldn't have cared, actually. But it really helped. It really helped to just... It, it settled me. It, right. it calmed my nerves. And um, do you remember the scene from The Nutty Professor when he runs up the steps for the first time and he's standing at the top of the... Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Yes, Celebration. I can. Absolutely. And that, I came out the toilets invigorated and if anybody had been watching they'd have thought oh I wonder what's in those toilets but <laughs> well just he's a really weird guy he's, well yeah I am all, all, all things are true there but yeah it's 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 a really simple way yeah. of of beginning to to wrestle with your anxiety mm. um I'd encourage you and the other one I thought you might have been going towards is the one with a pen. So if I grab a pen, if you put a, a pen, or you could do this with a finger, uh, between your teeth, and therefore you're kind of forcing your mouth to do something like a smile. No way. If you hold that, your brain just kind of goes, oh, oh, are we happy? Oh, I didn't realise we're happy. No okay, way. we're happy. So I'm just going to sit here like this with a pen in my teeth. Uh, I'm not going to try that because obviously that that doesn't work on a podcast. It doesn't work on a podcast. But the point is that by faking a smile, uh, it sends a signal to the brain of, oh, okay, we're happy. It's like um, a constant positive loop. So if you feel happy, you smile. You smile, you feel happy. It's good. You can trick yourself. You can trick yourself into feeling happier. Now, happy is a, you know, it's kind of a shallow And it's subjective, yeah. Very subjective. And, you know, you're talking about, oh, I'm so happy. And it seems a bit fake. Uh, It certainly seems helpful to have some way of getting yourself out of a bit of a funk. Um, Mm. But I think more than that, the mentions of getting some physical exercise, getting some fresh air, even just moving. So one of the problems with lockdown is the research is suggesting that most of us are spending more time sitting. In fact, many people I've spoken to are saying they're working longer hours than ever before Mm. because there isn't a Starbucks you can just pop to and get a coffee. There isn't that person you need to pop down the corridor and speak to. So you just sit glued to your laptop for the day and maybe your day used to be with a commute either side, eight till six, well, now your day is eight till six without the commute. 
and maybe you're doing even more. So even just once an hour, ideally even more frequently, to get up, move around, go to the kitchen, get yourself a glass of water, go for, go outside for a walk, get some fresh air, maybe even just open the window. Mm. There's something about that getting fresh air, focusing on your breathing that makes a really big difference. And where are you on these standing up desks? Just as a not entirely random question, but, but do you think they help? Yeah, I'm a huge fan of the stand-up desk and the, there's a few things there and it's, it's mostly about physical health. For example, the, the hamstrings, they're not, they're not made for this much sitting. So a stand-up desk means that your legs and therefore your spine are much better aligned. Really? So there's all sorts of benefits to a stand-up desk. Uh, of course, if you haven't already got one, it's quite difficult to arrange. I remember once trying to pile up books <laughs> so that I could create a stand-up desk. It's not ideal. Um, but yeah, there are huge benefits to that. There's also something about, from the more psychological perspective, your when you're standing up, there's more that you're doing to balance yourself than when you're sitting down. Because when you're sitting down, you can kind of slump into your chair. You're not really having to use much to keep yourself upright. Whereas when you're standing, you, you tend to engage more of your muscles to stay upright, which means you're trying to balance yourself, which means you're using more of your brain. Mm, so cognitive load kind of thing. Exactly. Which often we talk about cognitive load as a bad thing. Think about the words we're using, load on cognition, mm. load on your brain. If you're putting too much load on your brain, that would suggest you won't be so effective. But actually, when you engage more of the brain, it can make you more effective. Oh, yeah. I mean, so when I speak of load, I think I'm, I'm in mechanic mode. So if right. you have an engine that's capable of a lot more and you let it idle right. periodically and not do a great deal with it, eventually you'll damage that engine. So, you know, an engine is designed to work at a certain load. And mm. I think cognitively, we can actually handle a lot more. Um, varied stuff than we often mm. do um, and that's yeah. where exercise is so useful because when we move we engage different parts of the brain so what I love is that if I've got a problem and, and this isn't just me this is a researched well-recognized idea is that if you're stuck in a problem and again you're sat there staring at your laptop with this oh, I just don't know what to do I don't know how to get past this I don't know how to fix this go for a walk and the movement is engaging different parts of your brain, suddenly that problem doesn't seem so big anymore. You find that you have this sudden idea on how to solve it. So there's definitely a huge thing about movement and as you, pay, as you say, putting a different kind of load on the brain. Mm -hmm. So the, the problem solving seems to mirror something we've put in one of our YouTube videos recently. Yeah, so the YouTube videos, uh, which I'm kind of embarrassed about because I frankly look like an idiot in them, but they they really feel like the right thing to do. So a few people were saying, you know, we're suffering with anxiety or we've got people in our families who are struggling to sleep, things that we don't even recognize as anxiety. Well, I'm struggling to sleep, so I was grateful for the videos, frankly. Absolutely. And, and the fact is that most people are, even if their sleep is still, you know, eight hours a night or whatever, maybe they're having really vivid dreams or finding that they're waking up in a weird temperature or in a weird position in the bed so there's some weird things going on and it's because of this low level of anxiety or higher level for some mm -hmm. of us uh, that's just there so uh, there were a few people asking about what can we do about anxiety or how do we help people talk about anxiety so we made these really light-hearted videos that are designed to be for anybody of any age and a lot of the tips in there are what we've talked about already, getting some exercise, focusing on your breathing as well makes a big difference. But one of my favorite ones is acceptance commitment therapy. 
Uh, so acceptance and commitment therapy is a line of therapy. You can go and see a therapist that focuses on this area. A bit like CBT? Uh, it's quite different to cognitive behavioral therapy in that cognitive behavioral therapy says, notice your thinking and change your thinking. Acceptance and commitment therapy says, accept your thinking. So start by noticing what you're thinking, like, I don't know if we're going to be okay. I don't know if we can get through this. I'm really quite worried about what the world's going to look like next week, next month. Mm -hmm. Take that thought and instead of judging it as a bad thought or thinking, oh, I shouldn't be thinking that, that's unhelpful, just accept it. It's perfectly natural for me to be having that thought. That's the thought that I'm having. I accept it. That does sound surprisingly like the original behavioural therapy, so the BT, before we bolted on the C yes. to the CBT. Um, I, oh, if I could remember his name, I'd give myself a high five. <laughs> but the guy who, who basically came up with, with the BT of the CBT, he was very much in that camp of mm. if you have a behaviour, don't spend time analysing it. Let's not get to the root cause of it because you just want to change the behaviour. Mm. You can spend years in therapy trying to understand a subjective, mind-driven thought. Mm. Just take the behaviour and, and snip it out in any way that you can, shape or form. And his sessions were legendarily short. He, yeah. he would get through patients very, very quickly because he wouldn't take any nonsense and he would give you a very quick solution out of your issues mm. and you either did it or you didn't and if you didn't you didn't go back yeah so this sounds very much in the i think the founders of acceptance and commitment therapy would disagree <laughs> well they're more than welcome to disagree absolutely um because it's not about the, the point with behavioral therapy was to uh, find a behavior that you thought was unhelpful and as you say nip it in the bud stop doing it change your behavior there is a link between that and acceptance and commitment therapy absolutely but there is something here about the mindfulness of the thinking and just noticing that thinking being okay with it the key thing about the behavior change then the commitment part of acceptance and commitment therapy is to commit to action in line with your values okay so i think that's the part that perhaps is most powerful for people is you know i'm feeling all this stuff i'm thinking all this stuff that feels awful that's okay. I just accept that. Now, who am I as a person? What do I really believe is really important? Or what would I describe as really important to me in life? So one of the things that's really important to me in life is helping people. Or I guess another way of wording it is, is being useful for people. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I made these videos, because I want to be useful for people. So I'm feeling anxiety what's some action I can take in line with my values, I'm gonna go make some videos in case other people could find them useful. I'm feeling really anxious, I'm not sleeping so well. Maybe your value is more about something to do with making things beautiful, uh, something to do with art. So I'm feeling really low right now, I accept that. What can I do in line with my values? I'm gonna go and paint a beautiful picture. I'm going to go and create some craft packs that I can share with my neighbours so they can do something crafty with their children. So it's this, instead of the behaviour piece being about nipping a bad behaviour in the bud, it's more about saying, who am I? What's important to me? And how do I go act in that way? Because that's what's going to make us feel most in touch with our true identity. Hmm. And just to put you on the spot, that, that all sounds really nice. If you've not got kids and you live in a nice house all by yourself and you, you, the dog's not peeing on the floor, but it, for the rest of us where life is actually, it doesn't seem like we have the time 
or the capability to step back and mm. you know sniff the flowers so to speak yeah what do we do then so granted not an easy one absolutely like you say when you've got the kids screaming and the dogs peeing on the carpet and we'll be like hang on a second everybody i'm just going to take a mindful moment just gonna <laughs> have a moment to get in touch with my values um so right there in that moment you're probably going to have a stress reaction you're going to shout at the dog you're going to shout at the kids and again maybe there's something about just accepting that that is perfectly natural in that situation to react in that way at some point, there's going to be a moment and you can choose that moment to acknowledge what's just happened. And maybe it's in the evening when you're going to bed and you feel guilty about shouting at the kids or feel guilty about rubbing the dog's face in it. And you're thinking, you know, I'm thinking over that situation. Then that's the moment for you to choose. OK, I'm going to notice those feelings. I'm going to accept those feelings. And now what do I want to do in line with my values? I think so your point about the reality of you're not always going to have that time to how do I want to behave in this situation (laughs) and then being accepting of the fact that maybe you're not so proud of your behavior later is a huge part of this. That's the that's the second level isn't it really so the acceptance commitment is if you want to do this on a more regular basis yes this is the next level if you've just got you know want to stick a sticky plaster over your issues yeah you know go and do a dance in front of a mirror you'll feel like an idiot you'll feel great for yeah. I think like you say, the, the pen in the mouth thing is like a really low level. Mm. Oh, I feel a bit down today. Let me go do this stupid pen experiment and see if it works as yeah. opposed to, you know, I'm actually really struggling with something yeah. right now. But I do think if you combine them throughout the day, then... Yeah, useful uh, yeah, stuff. useful stuff. Yeah. yeah. I actually love uh, my favourite yoga instructor online is Adrian. So many people probably know yoga with Adrian. Uh, and she will often, during the hardest parts of one of her yoga routines, say, smile. And the last thing I want to do when I'm in that much pain is smile. But I do because she tells me to and I respect her. And when I smile, the pain eases and the exercise becomes easier. And that's just the power of changing our body, changing our mind. And yoga is painful? I am yes. I'm I'm surprised by this. Oh, there's a whole lot of conversation oh, there. <laughs> yoga is painful. I, I I'm almost shocked. I thought running was painful, but yeah, clearly a different, different podcast. Different kind of painful. Yeah, a different podcast for a different day. I suspect. <laughs> cool. So I think that will probably do for today. Um, as always, thank you for joining us on this uh, little adventure of ours. If you would like to get more content, our YouTube channel is, is starting to get nicely busy with good stuff packed up or get in touch with us directly if you've got any suggestions for the show we are Mm. very happy to take them because we just like chatting we do like chatting and if um, anybody is okay with us drinking gin and tonic during the next one that would be also welcome feedback so have a great day and we'll hope to catch you soon bye thank you